0: Thanks for having us here today. Um, just up front, this is a bit of a collaborative project. Um, some of us are here today and some of us are not. So, Mariano and I uh, worked on this project along with Stanley, um, Mauricio Firehona, um, also from Imperial College of London, and also the great guys at Cinea in Mexico. So, we're going to talk today about Twitter um, of an estimated 3 billion active users of the internet, about 10%, or 288 million users actively engage with the messaging or social networking site Twitter. Um, It's a platform on which uh, you can place publicly um, messages of up to 140 characters in length. Um, And unlike the kind of description that Ryan gave at one point of saying just sending messages out into the abyss, um, Twitter is also somewhere where people can interact. Um, and they can do so through reading each other's tweets. If they really like what someone else has said, they can like it or they can retweet it, so repeat it up um, to their kind of networks of followers. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about those kind of interactions going on today um, this image is an image uh, of tweets in real time uh, which is an art collaboration project uh, I think it's a grab of about two hours worth of tweets as they ping all over the world Australia is really dark because it's about three o'clock in the morning I don't know why Japan is <laughs> light at that time of day, but there you go um And we're particularly interested in dietary advice. So social media are increasingly being used to disseminate dietary advice. Um, And previous research on Twitter and and food advice, advice about what to eat has focused on all sorts of things. So health information sharing, primary caregiving, even GP consult consultations can be done through Twitter these days. Clinical management, delivery of health support disease prevention and prevention um, campaigns, public health education, especially around what we should be eating and how we should be living our lives, and also self-management. But there's a lot of other stuff going on on Twitter. There's advocacy. There are companies advertising goods. There are people who are cracking jokes. There are people who are talking about what they had for breakfast. So what we're going to try and do is place some of this kind of health-related dietary advice Material into the context of the broader Twitter landscape. Um, one example of why that might be important um, just comes from the Public Health England marketing strategy. As a part of this strategy, uh, Public Health England suggests that they uh, they've also built a significant and vibrant community on Facebook and on Twitter, where they have over seventy nine thousand followers. Uh, this is framed in the in kind of saying, "This is great. We've done this amazing work." Um, public health promotion, um, the kind of research that we've done here suggests that it's the impact on Twitter or, or understanding what's working or what kind of messages are being portrayed or passed around is not as simple as how many followers you have. So we're going to dig into a bit of that today. We've decided initially to focus on one particular health concern, uh, which is diabetes, Um, for a couple of reasons. One is that diabetes is closely connected with what we eat. Um, So diabetes is a uh, clinical condition associated with um, the the endocrine or or hormonal control of um, glucose and energy metabolism in the body. About 10% of all diabetes cases are considered to be type 1 diabetes, which means that the pancreas in the body doesn't produce any insulin at all. And 90% of cases are considered to be type 2 diabetes, which is kind of the the pancreas not producing enough insulin or not being as sensitive as it once was. And type 2 diabetes is a global health concern um, and in many respects is uh, is addressed by public health authorities at the moment by changing people's diets or activity levels. So it's a global health concern and it is linked closely with dietary advice and and kind of advocacy around it. It also has a very strong advocacy community in the kind of um, diabetes patient landscape. And we asked two questions um, at least that's how many questions we're going to be asking today. Who talks about diabetes on Twitter, and in what capacity, and what kinds of content do these users contribute?
1: Uh, okay, so to show you a little bit of under the bonnet, I won't go into like all the computational mathematical formulations of everything. But basically, what we've done is we've had the people or collaborators from Senior collect two and a half million English language tweets that contain the term diabetes, not necessarily with the hashtag, which is what you use to kind of emphasize or, or create a uh, automatic kind of chat room thing. At Imperial College we've taken this data, we've created networks and we've deployed some network theoretic methods, um, which I will explain in a minute, um, to try to compute Who are the important people discussing diabetes and what are the uh, topics being discussed? And then finally, the anthropologists at the University of Oxford have taken these results and then made sense of them.
0: I have to say it looks nice and neat and linear there, but what tended to happen is we did a bit of this, and then we did a bit of this, and then we did a bit of this, and then we went back here, and then we went back here, and then we went back over here again. So it's been a a really integrative and, and collaborative project.
1: Okay, so should I? So basically, to ask who talks about diabetes and in what capacity, we have, we've been dealing mostly with uh, retweet networks. So in Twitter, you can you can create three main well, you can create more networks, but you can there are three main networks that that you can uh, create. Uh, the more direct one or the easiest one to, to set is the follower network so if you are a Twitter user you follow people if you like what they say or you're interested in what they have to say and people follow you if they think the same of you so there's kind of a direction of interest pointing at the direction of, of, of who follows who and then the content the, the tweets travel in the opposite direction another type of network that is the, the one that we'll be talking about Right now, we'll also deal with a follower network, but more of that in a minute, is the retweeter, retweet network, in which if I see a message on Twitter that I think is worthwhile sharing or interesting or I agree or disagree with, I can pass it on to my followers. I can retweet or forward. And that um, also leads to the construction of a directed network. I mean, a direct in which the connections have specific direction. And again, it's an explicit declaration of interest, and the information follows in the opposite direction. A third type of network that we won't mention here is a mention network. You can mention people on, on your tweet. So if you put a, a tweet and I mention Amy, then there would be an arrow, I have mentioned her, and, and that means something else. Uh, so for now, we'll focus on retweet and then follower networks. Um, and in particular, since we have a, a data set of two and a half million tweets, Um, and these tweets are annotated, so we know who produced the tweet and when was this tweet produced. We're gonna look at uh, temporal networks constructed uh, from this data. In in particular, we're gonna focus on weekly networks, so we're gonna take a week work of tweets, and there's a reason for this, because there's an oscillatory behavior that is roughly, um, the period is roughly a week. Um, And we're gonna look at the content there, and we're gonna create retweet networks for every week. And from that we're going to, and then to analyze whose tweets, so basically which specific bits of information have the bigger impact, we're going to focus on on the retweets, and in particular we're going to borrow methods from the analysis of citation networks and the web, and we're going to look for hubs and authorities. So roughly an authority you can think of it as a, it, it helps if you think of it as a website that contains content that is interesting and important. And a hub would be another website that points towards the authority webpage. So in, in, the, in the Twitter context an authority would be someone who produced a, a tweet that contains valuable or important information and a hub would be someone who retweets these tweets that end up being important. So it's kind of like a circular definition, but it it can be formulated uh, mathematically precisely. So if we start with our initial retweet network, so for example, uh, node 10 has retweeted someone by 8, something by 8, 8 has retweeted something by 1, etc. So we compute the uh, hub and authority scores for every node by looking at two different de- uh, networks derived from the original one, which is the co-citation projection and bibliographic projection, which means in the co-citation uh, projection, it means that two users are connected if a third user has retweeted statuses by both. So in this case, four has retweeted statuses by five and six, so the co-citation pro- projection, five and six are connected, uh, and the bibliographic projection is the reverse. So users are connected if they have retweeted statuses from the same people. For example, um, two and eight have retweeted one, so two and eight are connected there. So basically the the co-citation projection links people who are the subject of the interest of the same people and the bibliographic projection couples users who have the same um, interests. So in our network, this is what it looks like for a week. We have the retreat network, uh, and then the co-citation projection, and the bibliographic projection. So
0: I should just add a PS. We're going quite quickly through all of this. We can come back to it in questions or drinks later, if that's of interest to people. But we think it's important that the mathematics underlying what we're doing is kind of uh, not hidden.
1: Yeah. So basically mathematically, it means that if A is a matrix that represents the connectivity of the of the original retreat network you can construct the co-citation and the bibliographic projections um, from that matrix and what in ends up being is that we look at uh, a thing called the eigenvectors of these uh, matrices and that will give us the hub and authorities scores for everyone so I have to say that a node can be simultaneously ranked highly as a hub and as an authority only one or neither so it's not an either or it's just independent scores. Uh, so when we look at the hub nodes, so these are the nodes that, that would tweet important content, uh, we see that this is uh, sort of like the hub score over time. Uh, we see that the, there is not a sustained presence of hubs, so hubs tend to just have a, like a flash of brilliance and then dissipate. Um and, and I guess Amy can tell you about the composition of the. These are the top 10 um, hub scores by aggregate scores, and these are the top 10 hub nodes by um, how often they show up uh, in our data. So
0: when we went into this analysis, we were originally thinking <coughs> hubs and authorities might be two different ways to measure who's most important or who's having impact because authorities, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, distribute authoritative information, whereas hubs do this linking process, this kind of networking and passing information around. So one of the surprises that came up for us is that the hub activity is not consistent at all. Um, These these hubs, these people that connect people, if you like, every so often do something, but not consistently, which would mean it's really hard to engage them uh, from a practical perspective. One that we'll come back... There's there's all sorts of... um, uh, Profiles and what we've then done is gone into them and look at who these people are and what they do. We're not going to detail all of that today. One I will come back to, though, is the top one, um, which is One Medical Two News, who we looked in a fair amount of detail at to try and figure out who they are and what they kind of do. Um, And we've come to the conclusion that while they appear to be a doctor, and we'll look at his profile in a minute, Uh, we can't find any evidence of him. The retweeting is awfully consistent, too consistent for someone who has a life and the best thing to come up with (laughs) is that they probably don't exist. And who is potentially behind that kind of account uh, is totally unknown.
1: Um. So in contrast to the House, the authorities have a, a more sustained presence. So this is again... The or observation period, and this is the hub score. Everything is on the same scale, and and in here we do see that users who tend to be ranked highly as an authority. Sorry, I mean, I I said hub score. Um, in one week, they tend to be ranked highly as an authority. In other weeks as well. So the top ten or a thousand users that we have our spreadsheet available on my website, you can see people who. And it makes sense who they are. So, for example, we see here a mix of people who are agencies, activists, and companies. So, yeah, you have
0: right. I think he's pretty much said it all. So there are some activist groups for diabetes in, in that. There. Um, there are some, there's a pharmaceutical company, um, Sanofi features here, the Canadian Diabetes Association. And then number one and number ten uh, are owned by the same company, a company called Everyday Health. Which is a stock market listed firm owned and set up by um, market speculators, and who have who claimed ha- who, who claim no expertise in health um, or diet at all. Um, their expertise is playing the stock market. Um, in fact, one of the the um, the managers, uh, one of the CEO's profile says that he, he knows medicine because his wife is a doctor. Um, so so there are strong presence and in two different profiles.
1: Um, so. So we spent a little bit more time analyzing who is the top authority in the sense. So in fact, we look at the follower network of the top 1,000 authorities. So we took these 1,000 people and then we just looked at who follows whom. <coughs> so this is a snapshot of this network and then we looked at the communities. Communities, I'm not going to go into it, but it's basically groups of nodes that are where interest is, 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 is retained. So they, they pay attention to each other. Uh, more than you would expect. So, here's a thousand nodes, the thousand top authorities, and we looked at the communities from within. We found a robust partition into seven communities, six communities, and um, and this is what they are. So, in the blue uh, community here, this is a coarse grain version of that. So, we've aggregated all the users here into one node, and then aggregated all the arrows. Is the uh, health and medical schools and, and, and users, the mostly concerned with health. In green is users who define themselves as, as diabetes. In fact, the word clouds around here are basically the Twitter biography, so you can describe yourself with a tweet on Twitter. And the bigger words are the words that appear more, more often in the soft descriptions. Uh, so there's kind of like a, a, a verification that there is some sort of consistency in how the users in the different communities define themselves. So we have uh, the health, diabetes... Um, the red one is health and nutrition, but more like from a lifestyle point of view. Um, science and pharma over there in, in, in orange. Celebrities, humor, and for some reason, there's a community of Tesco-related accounts. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the, the, the issue is this is global data. This is this is not the UK. This is this is not the whole world. And
0: one thing, I'm thinking about this paper that starting to come out looking at this slide for me is we're talking about digital advocacy it's really unclear and I think a question pointed out before, what advocacy is Um, so down here we've kind of got some of the the health advocacy people advocating for healthy diets and healthy food um, so called, we've got Tesco over here who obviously got their own interests in advocating for maybe a different form of what's going on, Uh, we've got what Marianne lovingly refers to where's the, the, these guys here?
1: the kind of the blue and the, red
0: the, 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 the quackery group because we can't come up with a better name for it you're obviously advocating all sorts of different kinds of diets and ways of doing things um, in order to improve your health um, we've got the health news people and the pharma and technology biotech industry down here who obviously have a very strong interest in this case in, in pushing pharmaceutical products um, instead of diet for example Um, and we've also got a whole bunch of fitness gurus and and, and all sorts of things up here so in terms of food advocacy the the picture gets a bit muddy despite the fact that it's kind of getting clearer to
1: us Um. Uh, just one more thing to say so from the coarse graining of this network we can see very globally where the attention is directed at so quite uh, overwhelmingly everyone's looking at what the health related accounts and in there there's tons of medical schools and and funding agency WHO and etc. So everyone's basically paying attention to the blue community. The blue community somewhat pays attention to the diabetes. So some of them do follow. And in the diabetes community is everything from advocates to bloggers to um, again funding agencies and associations and so on. So from looking at the pattern, the directed. Um, Pattern of connections in the core is already gives us an idea of what the landscape looks like in terms of interests, like permanent declared interest Permanent. Um, next is we look at basically. Might have
0: to, might have to skip through some of this. have to okay. yeah, I run quickly. Um, we'll have to run quickly, so we can come back. Can to I that.
1: help you five minutes? That's
0: all right. Yeah, that can So
1: basically, we we looked at who's a good authority and a good. Hub at the same time, and we just found that at the very top, there is no one who fulfills both roles. So now the question is, should there be someone there, or is is the sec- separation of roles something that's desirable? Um, yeah, we're almost done.
0: Cool. So in some about um, the who of diabetes on Twitter, um, this is the profile of Dr. Richard Billia, who is our top hub. Um, who uh, looks legitimate enough, but who we can't find any information about at all and whose tweets are remarkably consistent. Only 10% of all accounts elicit any form of response, so straight away, mathematically we could discard a lot of material that wasn't necessarily useful. There's a clear separation between hubs and authorities, both in terms of what they do and how they're behaving. Many top global authorities are outside the arena of healthcare, but they're not usually kind of considered when we're talking about the use of this technology in healthcare. There's stock market listed firms, non-government organizations, advocacy groups, individual and patient bloggers, and the food industry is almost entirely absent. In fact, we've gone through the list of top thousand and haven't spotted one food industry account. Now, that's not to say they're not there at all, but they're there in other ways, and we can talk about that in question.
1: Right. And then just basically, we, when we look at what kinds of content the users contribute, is we looked at the actual text of the tweets. So... We just, in a nutshell, we take all the tweets from a week and we employ some fancy computational method to extract the topics. You can read about this in our, in our paper and then there's this reference as well. And once we classify topics uh, per week, um, which, one has to say, we threw away a lot of tweets that have essentially no topic. And, and that's something that we are quite comfortable doing. Um, so this is how we do it statistically. Uh, And we find sort of topics that look like this. So, for example, this is a topic about a specific week about a a campaign for diabetes. So So all these tweets get bunched together. So
0: mathematically, Mariana was able to bunch all of these things and then kind of qualitatively I was able to go through (coughs) and say, well, there's lots of advocacy kind of events going on here and then kind of code these clusters of tweets in that way.
1: Another example about uh, diabetes recipes, for example, this is another topic. And this is the coding of the topics.
0: So, what we came up with coding was a huge list of topics in kind of five main themes health information, news, kind of social interactions, commercial related tweets, and then something we're going to look at really quickly there was some recurrent content. So, these kind of top four groups, the themes remained consistent, but the content changed often and frequently. Whereas these kind of specific tweets, six or so of them, kind of remain consistent throughout our data set. And this is one example, um, which I mean, when you start to code these things, you realize that everyone thought they were original <laughs> 2000 times a
1: day. Yeah. Um. So it's the same joke that gets tweeted in different incarnations, but it's the same joke all the time. In fact, so this is the total number of tweets that we've uh, captured, This is an algorithmic scale. And uh, this is a number, the red line is a number of math jokes. Just that one joke. Which has
0: more consistency than any public health message ever, <laughs> or marketing or advocacy message. Um, one comparison which was uh, big ish on Twitter for a period was when Tom Hanks announced that he had diabetes, for example, and that peaked here, and then you can kind of see it attenuate over time. Um, this was a really recent iteration of this joke, and one of the reasons I just wanted to show this quite quickly. This is a, a diabetes advocacy group, and they've been giving out chocolate bars to um, to kind of promote their their cause. And it raises, uh, and this kind of has then been put on Twitter with reference to this Twitter joke, saying, "Well, if chocolate causes diabetes, why is the Diabetes Foundation giving out chocolate bars?" And it raises an interesting question about the distinction between food as a vehicle for advocacy versus food as a subject of advocacy. So just something to play with there. So in summary, the what if of diabetes on Twitter, the themes are consistent but the messages change. There's a general understanding of kind of healthy and unhealthy foods and there's a lot of joking about what's healthy and unhealthy. It's really difficult to discern legitimate advice from misleading or discredited information or accounts for that matter. The most consistent messages relate to humor and popular culture. And people can advocate for many different things. One slide of implications. Um, there's a broad understanding of healthy food. I tried to find a picture of a policymaker, and David Cameron is the best I could come up with. Um, one of the things to think about is that we consider engaging with key authorities rather than trying to become one. Um, we can't measure impact simply by how many followers an account has. Um, Discerning legitimate advice from misleading or discredited information is difficult. In that case, how can we help consumers do that kind of thing? Is there a role for policymakers, for example, in doing (coughs) this? Importantly, we must consider consistency, style, and sentiment. Now, David Cameron is not someone who's retweeted a lot, but when some humour was associated with this particular tweet, what happened is he got more engagement on Twitter than he had in a long time. Um, so a couple of comedians picked up on his tweet and suddenly everybody on Twitter was retweeting David Cameron's tweet with a whole bunch of other things so humour and style and sentiment are also really important and shouldn't be ignored